0: Robert Radnoti. Welcome to the Ratitude Podcast. I coined the term Raditude 40 years ago to convey a passionate, radical attitude towards life. And I've been living rad and loving contagiously since. I will help you create the life you want by sharing personal stories, the neuroscience behind how to change, and interview high-performance guests help you make the changes you desire in life. Now, your personality creates your life. Your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. So if you want to change your life, you're going to have to change your personality. If you want your life to change, you're going to have to change. Most people try to change the life as the same personality, and it simply does not work. To change then, you're going to have to become someone new. So, are you ready to join me on this journey? Let's make every day the best day ever again. I can't wait to get started. Welcome to the Ratitude Show, the podcast in the beginning. This is the very first episode, and I'm so excited. I'm here in Turkey. I finished a uh, a workshop, a week-long workshop with Dr. Joe Dispenza and spending a week afterwards uh, just enjoying this uh, beach community that we've been at, going around and visiting some pretty cool places. Today just got back from what has been dubbed, at least here, don't know how true it is, but the eighth wonder of the world. Have you ever wondered what the seven wonders are? I know that there are several lists of wonders of the world, Ancient ones and newer ones. I know my parents wanted to go see as many as they could. And I believe that they saw six out of the seven of one of the episodes or one of the genres of Wonders of the World, but I'm not sure which ones. But anyway, I went to a place called, I think it's pronounced Pamakule, something like that. It was fantastic. It was, it was about a three and a half hour drive from where I'm at here in Turkey, but it was worth it. There was these beautiful pools of, I'm guessing mineral waters set in calcified travertine, um, natural pools, just beautiful, beautiful place. Lots of people there, but I guess in the summertime, there's many more. The thing that was really interesting, and the reason I bring that up here is, is part of what I really define. As gratitude. So I've said that gratitude is something that I coined forty plus years ago. It was when I was uh, coaching and running for the Exxon Track Team, and I was trying to motivate our team uh, to compete against AT and T and IBM and General Electric, and of course those were well-funded teams with lots and lots of people, cool uniforms, and uh, like has become uh, sort of <laughs> part of my life. I'm always with the team that has minimal funding. No scholarships, no support, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, and I want to win really badly. That's part of ratitude, too, is just a desire to be excellent or be outstanding, as, as Tony Robbins would say. So I coined this word called ratitude. And then I, every year I would define it a little bit differently. But the one element that's always been part of ratitude is passion, a passion for life, a passion for whatever you're doing, I really like that word. I love that word. And I try to live my life with passion. So that's part of what gratitude is all about. But I wanted to share with you during this first episode just a few things that uh, perhaps set me on this path toward what I call gratitude. And one of them was when I was working for Exxon. So my first career was as a chemical engineer working for Exxon. Very serious work, right? I think. (laughs) I was much more interested in running the Exxon track and field team than doing the various assignments I had at Exxon. Although I had some really cool ones, including at one point I was, I was one of uh, Exxon's experts in air pollution control. And then later I became the quality leadership advisor and got to learn some very, very cool things around uh, continuous improvement, Kaizen, got to take a group to see Dr. Deming a few times and just had a blast. That kind of forms the basis for a lot of what I think is gratitude. I remember reading a book by Carol Dweck. She was a Stanford psychologist, or probably still is. She wrote a book called Mindset. In it, she talked about the differences between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And I think that you can switch. You can move from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. I think I've always had a growth mindset, though. But I run into a lot of people that don't. And uh, they have a fixed mindset. They want things to kind of stay the same, but then they get involved with various things and they want to change, but they find that their mindset just isn't there. One of the first personal development programs that Exxon brought to our division of the company, I was in the Western production division in Thousand Oaks, California. It was a program by Lou Tice and it was called investment in excellence. And it was it was a great, great program. It was based on though, the kind of the the end result were that you would develop affirmations. A lot of people know what affirmations are, but I've never run into a process or a kind of affirmation of the quality that Lou Tice taught. And it was a three-step process. So most affirmations that I've seen are like, I am courageous, or I am love, or I am whatever. I am an engineer, for example. And then you say that over and over again, or in some worlds, you yell and scream it over and over again. And theoretically, it gets into your subconscious and it's programmed into your mind. I've found that there's other ways to do that, uh, a little bit better ways and quicker ways. But... In this process, the three-step process for investment excellence affirmations were to have an action and then create a result and then feel a feeling. So, for example, an action could have been, and I probably had something similar to this. Remember, I was just a young kid, engineer, exon, had no business making this affirmation, but I did it anyway. And it was something like, because I am so passionate and excited about track and field and running, that I have become a head track and field and cross country coach at a division one university in the United States. And that makes me feel like I've accomplished something like my life is worth living or something like that. I actually made one of my 57 affirmations, something similar to that, when I was a young 20, whatever, 23, 24 year old engineer at Exxon. And I had some kind of hairy goals like that that I turned into affirmations. And as of last year, I finally accomplished all 57 of those affirmations, the last one being to write a book. And I did publish a book that I wrote last year. And so that was my 57th one. And I've got to tell you the process of an action leading to a result and causing or the end product being a feeling or emotion. I didn't know it at the time. But that is a powerful, powerful, effective way to actually make affirmations in order to make goals. So it might be something for you to think about. It turned out to be such an important part of my life that I can't believe that it's been as long as it has. But it has. And it set me on this path toward growth, toward what I'll call gratitude. And later I added a little G in front of it of gratitude. So I like that one too. In fact, I started a nonprofit uh, foundation called the Gratitude Foundation. I set that up for my family, my kids. They are uh, always wanting to do various projects to help people out. And I thought if I could create a 5013C status foundation or nonprofit, then anyone in our family, if they had a particular project, they don't have to go figure out how to make a nonprofit. I've just got it there for the whole family. So... I found a a gentleman in the Los Angeles area that does this quickly, easily, cheaply. If you've got any ideas of creating a 5013C, nonprofit organization, send me a note, reach out, and I will get you that contact. He's helped a number of people since that I've forwarded his uh, contact information to. And literally, it was the simplest thing in the world. Anyway, I want to get back to some of the early influences, because each of us are on a journey, a journey toward growth, a journey toward gratitude And I encourage you to coin your own word. So mine is gratitude. That's for me, because my name is Robert Radnoti. But your name maybe is John Smith. So maybe you want to call it Smithitude or whatever it is. Be creative, be fun, be juicy and delicious. In one of my uh, podcasts here, I'm going to talk about my life plan. And Chad Cooper, Tony Robbins, and Lauren Lahav slocum were really, really instrumental in giving me some key information or key knowledge that allowed me to create a life plan that's moved me forward. And I'm going to be sharing that in a future podcast. Look for it. It's really a lot of fun. But one of the things that uh, I just remembered was to make my words juicy and delicious so gratitude is one of those juicy and delicious words and I encourage you to create your own juicy and delicious words in my life plan I'll just quickly say as a little teaser I'm also the Hungarian stallion a coherent wave a conscious king a supernatural genius a I'm coach rad all the kids used to call me that uh, when I was coaching free bird and a kingdom man, and the creator of Pear Rad Dice. So those are all juicy and delicious names. They describe me, or they, they at least create a vision or image in my mind that helps me move toward becoming those things, towards the passionate things that I'm all about. Another influential book for me, and there's been many. I read almost a book a week, but I remember about... 20, let's see, 27, eight years ago now, 1993, James Redfield wrote a book called The Celestine Prophecy. And I remember reading it and going, like, wow, this is cool. It was a great story. It turns out that I love reading books that are kind of fable-ish, that there's messages there. But the thing that I remember about The Celestine Prophecy was the concept of synchronicities, and that there are always signs within your life that we mostly miss. But when we get tuned into, say, a life plan or goals or a vision or mission in life, that that part of our brain called the reticular activating system searches for or becomes aware of when something's out there that is Beneficial to us. And that's become a key part of my life. It's how I moved from becoming a chemical engineer for what was it? I I was 18 years at Exxon. And then one Sunday morning, I went out for a long run. I think I went out for a 12 mile run after reading the Sunday paper. And there was a short little article, and it just said that Jack Farrell, the longtime Thousand Oaks High School track and cross country coach, had resigned. And as I went out for my run, I started thinking about that and go like, gosh, you know, I really don't like being a chemical engineer. I know it's kind of funny how I became a chemical engineer. I really had no desire in it. Literally, I started out as a biology major at uh, University of Colorado, and I would fall asleep during every class. It was just so boring to me. And so after the first semester, I walked over to the engineering building. Uh, my dad was an engineer, electrical engineer. And I just said, ah, I'm going to try this and talk to the admissions person. She asked what discipline I was interested in. And I had no idea. My dad was electrical, so I didn't want to be that. And then simply asked, and it popped into my head. I don't know why. Doesn't make sense. But this is what popped in my head. And I just blurted it out. I have a problem doing that. Just stuff pops in my head and I blurted it out. And I said, what's the hardest one? And she looked at me and said, chemical. And I said, sign me up. Literally, that's how I became a chemical engineer. So anyway, (laughs) I did chemical engineering with Exxon for uh, 18 years and had some amazing experiences. Some beautiful people worked for Exxon and uh, got involved with some great projects. I got my MBA at UCLA paid by Exxon. in in hopes actually of leaving Exxon. But then they offered me this amazing job to be the continuous improvement advisor. I retitled that the quality leadership advisor and got to go all over the country and learn the greatest techniques on improving business, improving life, improving everything. And got to uh, spend some time with Dr. Deming, taking group there, took a group of managers up to the NAMI plant in Fremont, California, to see how uh, General Motors was rethinking and reprocessing building cars using Japanese techniques of Kaizen. Kaizen means continuous improvement. And so that was pretty amazing. Anyway, where was I? I was out for a run thinking about becoming the track coach at Thousand Oaks High School, your mind just drifts and drifts. It's really mental rehearsals or meditation when I'm out running. That is that is my meditation or was the meditation until I ran into uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And at the end of it, I called up uh, Jack Farrell and I asked him if there was someone ready to take his place. And he said, as best he knew, no one was interested in the position. He, He said he'd help me get the position. I got it. And then I quit Exxon without a severance package, without anything. I was a fairly youngish engineer at Exxon. It was during the uh, dot-com run-up. It's kind of a funny story. I was day trading at the time. I don't know if any of you are, are old enough to remember, but literally, I would listen to the financial news before work, and they would say, As an example, Amazon's going to hit today. There's only about a dozen or so stocks that are watching. Amazon, Microsoft, a few of those. I remember there was one day where I bought Amazon in the morning and then sold for $26 profit at nighttime. It's day trading. And literally, I was so naive. I thought that that would go on forever. I was making more money day trading than As an engineer at Exxon, and I was making pretty good money at engineering, and I believe that it would go on forever. (laughs) I guess that's gratitude. But anyway, I went to Exxon after I got the job at Thousand Oaks High School, and I said, I quit. I'm leaving Exxon to become the head track and field and cross-country coach for the boys and girls team at Thousand Oaks High School. And they said, "Huh." That's an interesting idea. Well, first, first, I should, I forgot this part. I asked if I could have adjustable work hours where I would start at five o'clock in the morning and be done at uh, one or two o'clock, whatever the right hours are. And then I would go and leave and uh, coach the team because they had just announced adjustable work hours. <laughs> But they told me that they didn't mean that adjustable. I could adjust 45 minutes either way. I think our official start then was 745 or something like that. Anyway, I said, "Okay." well, then I quit, went to my office and I waited there with my box filled with my personal uh, belongings. I was getting ready to take home because in big corporations like Exxon, at that time, we were number one in the Fortune 500. The security guy comes gets you within 50 minutes and it skirts you out the building so that you won't steal any company secrets. So I was just sitting there in my office, just waiting for Sam, the guard to come after about an hour or so. Sam didn't come. I uh, walked down to my boss's office and I said, say, where's, where's Sam? I'm ready to go. And he looked at me and said, well, we talked about it and there's no one here that believes that you're leaving Exxon to become a track coach. And I said, what do you mean? I accepted the position. I'm leaving and I'm counting on this two months. Because back at that time, I had a two-month contract and I was expecting them to throw me out that day and they would uh, have to pay me for those two months. That would be kind of nice. But they said, nope, we're going to make you work if you want your money. And I go, oh, man, this messes up my plans. So anyway, I decided... Practice it with the summertime, was in nighttime, and so I just continued to kind of sort of work at Exxon and uh, coached the team. About a week or so, they came and offered me a promotion, and then next week, another promotion. I think by the time the two months had ended, one of the guys that I knew that was a vice president at Exxon Chemicals, and he was on our Exxon track team. We had built up a powerful track team by that time. He offered me a three-level promotion and uh, said he's got this great job, director of quality. I'd be able to travel the whole Exxon world and teach the quality principles all over the, the Exxon world. And we were in 117 countries at that time. If they would have done that before I'd taken this position, I would have never even had a dream of taking that position. But it was the train was gone. I was out of there. I couldn't wait to leave. I was making money doing day trading. What could be better than that, right? (laughs) But uh, fortunately, the day after my last day at Exxon, a rival oil company uh, contacted me and, and they'd been trying to hire me to do some special projects for them that I had some expertise in in a particular area that they needed. So he called me up and said, we've got a couple of jobs that we think you'd be interested in. And I said, huh, did you hear that I quit Exxon? They said, no, but that's great news. I said, well, but I quit to become a high school track and field and cross country coach. And he goes, huh, well, I don't know what to say about that. And then just in the Back of my head, I don't even know where it came from, but it popped into my head. But I may be open to working in the mornings because I don't start coaching till, I think, two o'clock in the afternoon. And he goes, well, we hadn't planned on that, but are you open to having lunch? And I said, sure. We went and had lunch that day. And he explained to me what they were looking for. And he said that he talked with their management They were looking for a full-time position, but given that I had some expertise that they needed, they wanted to offer me a part-time job, six hours a day. I'd start at seven o'clock and I would be done at one o'clock so I could leave and and be at the high school to coach the kids, but then I would need to be a consultant. And I thought, Huh. that's kind of an interesting idea. I'm not really set up to be a consultant yet. But then again, what popped into my head was my dad has an engineering company by that time in Arizona, even though it's electrical engineering. I told him about it. I said, maybe he could put me temporarily on his uh, payroll and I could start sooner than later because I'm not really prepared to start a consulting company. And so he said, that would be great. And so he handed me his cell phone. Remember those cell phones that were about a foot tall, gray, and then they had another foot antenna on it? He handed it to me, and I called my dad. (laughs) My dad was really upset about this whole idea of leaving Exxon to become a, a, a track coach. He and my mom left Hungary. They left during the revolution in 1956 for a better life, for their kids and i was i was his pride and joy becoming an engineer working for exxon and then all of a sudden i quit to become a high school track coach for two thousand dollars a year that was my salary and my wife at the time didn't work and i just quit So anyway, I explained to my dad that I had lunch with this guy. In fact, he was sitting right across from me and he offered me a consulting position, but I didn't have a consulting company. And could I go under him temporarily? And he said, sure. And I said, well, how long would it take? He says, I'll do it right now. Just pencil your name in there and you're on our, not payroll, but you're on our uh, roster as an engineer. And that's all it took. And so I told the uh the manager across from me. And he said, great. I said, when do you want me to start? He said, how about tomorrow? I said, okay. So literally I was out of work one day and I got to go work for this other company. Exxon, we were about 20 years ahead of them. So they thought like I was a rocket scientist or something like that. It was so easy to do. And as a consultant, I tripled my salary. And I only work six hours a day because I had to leave to be with the kids. And at Exxon, if anyone knows about Exxon or or probably a lot of major companies, you work long hard hours, into the nights often, weekends, and it's tough. You get paid well, but it's tough. Anyway, I had my dream of becoming a, a track coach and just had a blast with that. Just had so much fun with that. After about eight years, of starting with with almost nothing, we built up a super powerful team. We won the state championships. Uh, We built our own track stadium, all fundraised money, by the way. We built up a booster club, had 600 parents in it, and almost 300 people on the track team, 175 on the cross-country team, 18 assistant coaches, including 15 that had competed at the NCAA championships. I really applied gratitude to that job. It was so much fun. But I always wanted to become a college track coach. Remember, that was my affirmation from investment excellence. And sure enough, through some crazy circumstances, within about six months, I became the head coach at Pepperdine University in Malibu. That was pretty cool. I had a track overlooking the ocean. Unfortunately, again, minimally funded, no scholarships, blah, 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 blah. That was part of what I did, which, by the way, led me into additional personal development, uh, first through the Tony Robbins world, which again is another crazy story of how that happened. I didn't really even know who Tony Robbins was. But uh, I had a family member that became one of his platinum partners. Platinum partners are people that pay a bunch of money. Then they get to go to all his public events for free, plus some special events just for Tony. And he invited me to this event called Date With Destiny. And it happened to be in between cross-country season and track season. I kind of needed a break. I remember Tony Robbins as the guy that hypnotized Jack Black in a movie called Shallow Hell. If you haven't seen the movie, go see it. It's a great, funny movie with a beautiful message. And that's why I went. I wanted to see Tony Robbins and how he hypnotized Jack Black. Uh, because we, my friend was a uh, platinum partner, we sat right in front and didn't know what to expect from a Tony Robbins event at all. It turned out, this was back in 2014, they were filming what became a documentary on Netflix called I'm Not Your Guru. If you haven't seen it, or heard about it, if you have Netflix, get it, watch it. It is an incredible movie. And by the way, I'm in it three times, not a starring role. <laughs> if you blink, you might miss me, but I'm in it three times. But anyway, we're sitting in the front row Waiting for the event to start. All of a sudden the music comes on. This guy to the left of me from uh, England, he jumps out of his seat and starts yelling and screaming and dancing. Everyone up there is doing it. I'm an introvert at that point. I couldn't do a podcast back then. I was a super introvert. I kind of crouched down. I couldn't figure out how am I going to get out of this place? This is crazy. There's a bunch of crazy people here. By the end of the day, I became one of those people, and I remember so distinctly. Tony, when he was on stage, he said something. He's he said a lot of things that have influenced me big time. But he said, "Many of you are here, and you may not know why you're here, or you may have an inkling of why you're here. But I'm here to tell you that the reason you're here is not the reason you're here, and." the reason you're here, will materialize during this six-day date with destiny. And sure enough, it did for me. But he continued on and said that this is an opportunity for you to test out a different you. If you want to create your destiny, if you want to create your mission, your purpose in life, or discover what it is and develop your values and the rules around them and learn some great life strategies that will propel you forward into an outstanding life where each and every day is the best day ever again, go ahead and just allow yourself to pretend, to act, to be different, try on different personalities. And I decided to do that. It was the decision at Date With Destiny that literally changed my life big time and where I pulled that concept of gratitude back from the past and really used it to propel my own life forward forward. And life has never been the same since. In this podcast, on a weekly basis, I'm going to be talking about gratitude or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to be talking about how to change your life, how to change from the science perspective. You know, I I really love Tony Robbins and learned some great life strategies from him. But I also, through Tony, came across Dr. Joe Dispenza. In fact, Joe went with us on one of our Platinum Partner trips. i later joined the Platinum Partners for a year. And Joe came with us on what was billed as the Adventure Neuroscience Trip to New Zealand. Just a hundred of us went, and Joe was part of that group. And Joe teaches neuroscience of the mind, quantum physics of the brain, and how to make actual real changes, it's not as simple as it sounds. It's actually very, very difficult to do. It's simple, but it's not easy. But knowing the science behind it gives you a leg up on actually making the kind of changes that you might want to make in your life. Because we don't know certain things. We don't know things like, by the time you're in your mid-30s, 95 percent of all your actions, your behaviors, your habits, your thoughts, your feelings are programmed into your body. They are programmed into your body, your neurochemical neuro neurons. Your biology is programmed into you. It's no wonder it's difficult to change because you've got 5% of your conscious mind trying to overcome 95% of your unconscious. And so we might have this idea that we want to make a change in our life, whether it's to lose some weight, gain some weight, become fit, have a new job, have a new relationship, hey, make some more money. And we start and we have to have great discipline and a plan. And then at some point we give up. And the reason we do it is because of our mind, because we program into our mind. The past. The familiar past. And if we don't change, if we don't understand, then we'll keep having the same thoughts. Because, by the way, 95% of the sixty to 70,000 thoughts that you have each and every day are the same thoughts you had yesterday. So if you have the same thoughts, they lead to the same choices. And those same choices lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors lead to the same experiences and the same experiences produce the same feelings or emotions and they inspire the same thoughts and you stay the same. You don't change and you continue to reinforce and reprogram. So that you have the same biology, the same neurocircuitry, the same neurochemistry, the same hormones, and even the same genetic expression. None of those change because you haven't changed. So the only way to change is to bring in new information. And that new information coming into your mind, into your neocortex, you start to have some new thoughts. And new thoughts can then lead to some new choices or new options. Those new choices could then lead to some new experiences. The new experiences can lead to some new behaviors. Those new emotions and feelings that you get from those experiences then inspire additional new thoughts. And that process is called evolution. And then you could create a new you a new future. And it's not the predictable future. It's a new future. During this gratitude podcast, I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking about how you actually make changes that are lifelong changes that you come up with, that you make juicy and delicious and you rewire your mind, because it's a hardware issue. It's a hardware issue. And it's not good enough to just set a goal. It's not just positive thinking. And like I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, member from Investment Excellence, I said, because I've taken this action, I produced this result and created this feeling and emotion, feelings and emotions are important part of the change process. It's not enough to just have positive thinking. You have to combine that with the emotions, the feelings of that positive thought, that action, that goal, that result, doing, doing something over and over again to becoming programmed into your body and being that, being gratitude. Moving forward. And so I'm excited about this journey, this weekly journey on our gratitude podcast. I'm glad that you listened to the beginning, and I hope you'll tune in in the future as we explore passion, change, and becoming your version of gratitude. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ratitude Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at robertradnody.com. Thanks for listening, and let's make the world our playground.